Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Words, Women, and Wisdom radio show, streaming live from BBS Radio in California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally. I'm your host, Yvonne E.L. Silver, uh, based in Calgary, Canada, even though I have a British accent. I'm at the base of the Rocky Mountains, living here for the last almost 40 years. And I am joined today by my guest, Relitza Spasova. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? That is absolutely correct. Thank you. You're welcome. And where are you dialing in from today? Yeah, I'm I'm grateful to be a first generation settler on the lands of the Coquitlam First Nations, which is just outside of what we know as now as Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. So just your neighbor on Great Turtle Island. Excellent. And I am on the Treaty 7 lands of the Siksikar, Bakuni, and many other First Nations, and uh, happy to be here as well. So thank you today for joining me. Now, if you haven't dialed into the show before, if you are perhaps a colleague of Relitzer's or you just found out, found uh, me on uh, social media, My background is working with women entrepreneurs who are seeking to flourish. So I interview women who I have connected with all sorts of different venues, meetings, networking events, etc. Women who've typically risen from some sort of tragedy to triumph and are now out in the world doing really intriguing work. And I connected recently with Relitza, and we have some common passions. We both love working with women, supporting them. We do it in different ways, though. So I thought this could be a fun interview to share some of her specialties and then talk a little bit about some of the powerful shifts that can happen for women when we are tapping into our feminine energy. And I don't talk um, so much about this topic. This is her area of expertise as an MD. And I'm focused more on using powerful language. So grab your pen and paper, ladies and gentlemen, because this is going to be a really interesting topic. By way of an introduction, um, Ralita Spasova, MD, um, has embraced her passion for transformational life coaching. So herself, going from a burnout to abundance, has embraced authenticity. Oh, we're going to use that word a lot today as a path to creating this mind, body and spirit balance. So she's combining her education in medicine, her experience in education, her coaching certification, and has created her signature alchemy mastery method. So we'll hear about that a little bit later on. I always like to hear the story before, you know, what happened? How did someone get to this point? And in her case, it's a um, it's a passion that has been a lifelong passion. And we both are feeling very privileged and honored to be in that space of helping people develop and grow. Um, so we're going to call today's show Authenticity Calling, Embracing It All, and using her heart-centered transformational approach teaching, coaching, and mentorship experience. She works now with both individuals and groups and organizations to really amplify this topic of authenticity. So a juicy conversation. So I'm curious to hear about the story. How were you growing up? What happened? And why this led you to where you're at today with this passion for coaching and embracing authenticity? 
Yeah, thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. Every time somebody else introduces me, I'm like, wow, really? Good for me. <laughs> so thank woo, you. Woo. <laughs> exactly. No, thank you for that amazing introduction. I um it's it's yeah, I, I'm so grateful and humbled to be able to really arrive where I'm at and do the work. And it's constant work. It's just today I had a conversation earlier, which you know, over this weekend, it's been one of those dark nights of the soul type of weekends where I had to remind myself about my human being and my human doing and really um, coaching myself and also asking for support around some of the things that came up for me recently. So the work never really ends. Um, but where I started, yeah, that's a really great question. If I have to start it, I would I would definitely say it started um, that I was born in communist Bulgaria. Both my parents were born and raised there. Mm. Uh, and so the communist mentality is kind of something that they, they that's all they've ever known. And so I come from that culture, but then we moved to Canada when I was three years old. So not really having roots there never really planting roots here. We moved constantly. First we were in, we actually landed in Newfoundland because we were supposed to take a plane to Cuba, but we didn't get on the connector. So that's how we ended up here. So just from the beginning, my my journey has been exciting and uh, yeah, uh, definitely not stable. Um, and so we moved across the country. We've lived in Ontario. We lived um, all over BC, Fort St. John, Victoria. Um, I grew up in Sardis, close to Chilliwack. Um, and so now we're in Coquitlam. I've traveled to Aruba where I did medical school. I went back there to teach. Uh, I got married in the US. That's where I did my clinical rotations for medical school. So we've been moving a lot. So for me, change is something that is constant. It is easy for me. I have learned how to do the change thing because I've had to. And mm. so I think that's the biggest difference that I see for most people that I coach. There's a lot of change resistance. So I have to say that the part of me that has been moving my whole life, yeah, I'm really grateful for all of those moves for the ability to be able to change, pivot. Um, and this is where I learned authenticity is I think my whole life, it's been really interesting because I've been trying to chameleonize. I've been trying to blend in because I came from that place of not being part of, right? Not being one of you know, the people in my school, I didn't look like them. I didn't sound like them. I didn't have the same lunch as them. I don't know if you've seen my big fat Greek wedding, but that's basically, I was that little girl with the musica and people would look at me like, that's disgusting. Um, and so this pattern of sort of rejection has always been there. The pattern of, you know, not being accepted as I am, even at home, the communist mentality is to complain, is to put your head down and work hard. We don't do emotions. Um, and so learning all of that and seeing it from my parents, that's kind of the way that my ego created my sense of value was to achieve, to accomplish and to serve others before serving myself, which right. is a very common thread for many, many people. And especially women, right. We're meant to sacrifice. We're meant to be subservient. We're meant to, you know, give ourselves away basically, um, and so my path, I would say the deepest, darkest hole that I've ever gotten into was when I went back to Aruba to teach, I had four jobs. I was a single mom. Um, I was in a toxic relationship at the time. And I remember going into the room where we had all of our things stored. And I remember thinking, and then this is, I, I so I received downloads just to dial it back a little bit at some <laughs> 
at some point I recognize that my gift is my ability to be a visionary. And so sometimes things come to me and I just know, and the timeline is unknown. There's no such thing as a timeline and a vision, but I just see things so clearly. And to me, that is authenticity calling when you get a download, when you receive it and you know, it's going to happen, but it's, it's in, are you ready to step up and seize the moment and do the things that you are responsible for to make that moment happen? And so I remember being in Aruba and I remember having this very clear moment of one day I'm going to write a book about this and I'm going to talk about how I went from this toxic mess to what I know is possible. Mm. And at the time I didn't have a very clear vision of what was possible, but I knew that this was, this was it. This was the, this was the farthest down I was about to go without actually doing something and turning it around. And it took a lot of work. (laughs) Sometimes we, we don't, we don't always know what it is that we truly want. And um, I talk in my book, um, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, um, about um, when I connected over coffee with Michael Lozier, uh, Law of Attraction author, and he was describing his clarity through contrast mm. approach, which if listeners, if you're not familiar with that, you haven't read my book yet, it's really about we know what we don't want because we can feel the angst and the pain and the disconnection with this is just not what I want. Um, so if you're able to sort of put a capital T down on a piece of paper, you have above the line, what it is that is not working in your life and then put down on the left side, everything that is not working that you don't like. Mm. And then on the right side of that capital T then it's time to play opposites, kind of like we do when we're kids, right? Well, I don't like being micromanaged by my boss. So what I do want is to be independent. I don't like uh, being um, you know, beaten up by my husband. Well, what I do want is a new way of living in a safe environment, whatever it might be. And so it's it's really so useful to build from that place of, you know, we have that spark, right? Mm-hmm. We we know we get that download like this is it this is it there is no turning back I don't know what the future holds but I know it's got to be better than this yes (laughs) this is yeah that to me it was very much like this is this is not it this is not why I came here this is not it so what did you not it yeah and I love what you said about um a lot of people don't know what they want you're absolutely right and I think that is the biggest challenge for most people is to give themselves the time to slow down the presence to actually be with themselves because we're so busy externalizing our value or looking outside for answers, more books to read, more people to tap to question and, Mm -hmm. you know, more wisdom to gain. The truth is we all know our own truth. Our wisdom lies within us. And that's where the authenticity calling comes from because your wisdom is calling you all the time. You are, my understanding is, and and a lot of people that I connect with is we are a spiritual body. We are, we are a soul inside a human existence and not the other way around. We're not a human with a soul, which we get to ignore. No, we are spirit, soul, energy trapped in this human body. And now we get to integrate both. And so it's really that mind, body, spirit approach, which I didn't get in medicine and I didn't see, and I've, I've been creating 
So now it's almost like the spiritual pill that I'm creating is what one of my mentor coaches called uh, reminded me or called me forward to create is this, this sense of who are we really and where does our truth come from? And it's always, always from us. So I really, really appreciate and love the turnarounds because a lot of times we've, we've, we've gone so far from our purpose and we've gone so far from our soul's calling that we don't recognize ourselves. Right. And that was my moment looking in the mirror and seeing, I don't know who this person is. (laughs) So had you already taken your MD training then, or was that pre- That's right. I had already completed medical school. That was in 2014. I completed medical school when I had my son. Um, I didn't specialize. I didn't do residency because I wanted to be a mom. I knew that one of my biggest purposes was to be a mom and to be present for my son. And that's what I was really committed to. Um, I was married. We were living in Washington, D.C. at the time. Uh, My ex-husband at the time was in um, in grad school for occupational therapy. So we had this big plan to open up a clinic together and I would do residency when he started working. Um, That plan didn't pan out. God had God, the universe, mother nature, Gaia, whatever you want to call the greater calling had bigger, other different plans for me. So I ended up moving back to Aruba in 2016 to teach. So that was um, part of that journey is, is embracing my calling into inspiring minds to be curious um, and also sharing the wisdom and knowledge of really the new way of doing things. Cause even when I taught medical school, it was not the way that I was taught medical school. It was, it was very much more from a place of um, knowing a little bit of that universal law, really calling my students forward. Biochemistry was one class that I remember. I've never learned or heard of anyone <laughs> that enjoys biochemistry, but my students loved it because we were very logical. We were practical. We used medical terminology to really learn and understand what we were going through rather than just memorize it, right? No one should be learning just to memorize. And so Um, That was a really interesting calling. And I think even now that terminology piece is so important because language is so important. What we say is so important. It provides an energetic blueprint of what we are creating for ourselves. So um, it always comes full full circle because there's a lot of teaching also in coaching. Mm -hmm. So the way that I found coaching was actually in 2020 when I was forced to slow down. We came back to Canada. I thought it was going to be maybe a month, maybe two, maybe three all of my work from Aruba went online. And at one point they said, okay, now you have to come back in person. And I thought, I'm not going back to an island where the airport was just closed. They just received their COVID tests and everything's going to shut down again. There's just no way. (laughs) So we ended up staying in Canada. And I remember this pivotal moment where I was in the bathtub and I could not sit still for more than 30 seconds without my mind saying, okay, we got to go be productive On to the next. And I remember thinking, this is not this is not okay. This is not normal. This is not how my nervous system should be functioning. Go, go, go constantly all the time. In the one moment of the day that I've created for myself to slow down, it was not tangible for me. And so that's when I started searching. I started searching codependency and, you know, different relationship dynamics that I was facing in that experience. I was, you know, close to my parents again, and, and it really brings up all the childhood wounds. (laughs) And so that's where I found coaching. I started listening to podcasts. Um, One of my friends in Aruba had told me, you should be a coach. She's like, you are a coach in your heart and in your soul. She's like, I know it. I was like, ah, coaching, what's coaching? I wrote it off. I didn't get an MD degree to be a coach. What are you talking about? It was the least humble thing I've ever said. And (laughs) now that I know the power of it, it is, I, my life would never 
have been where it is now without mm-hmm. coaching. I think once, once for those of you who are listening that haven't experienced it, um, you know, you might sit and think, well, you know, I know what coaching is. It's like, you know, my, my kids have a soccer coach and he screams and shouts and blows the whistle and points them out and tells them what they're doing wrong. Uh, no, that's not what coaching is all about. You know, the science behind coaching is about creating a safe container, a space where people can do their best work to step from where they are right now into something that is calling them forward into their greatness. So, you know, my job as I'm working with business owners is not to tell them how to do their, their, how to run their business because they know how to run their business. However, sometimes they're too close to it and they cannot see it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Tiger Woods can't see his own swing, right? When we we can't see it because we're so emotionally charged about it and we're so tightly integrated, that codependency word, right? Mm-hmm. We're so tightly connected with it, we cannot see the wood for the trees. Mm-hmm. And it takes an external powerful question to help the person to see things from a new lens. Yes. And when they see for themselves they come up with their own ideas and best way to step forwards, then neuroplasticity kicks in because they're more attached to the solution because they created it. So it's not my solution. I'm not telling. I'm asking. I'm holding space and asking powerful questions. So um, I agree with you. You know, once you've seen the power of it, you cannot not do it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, we can give people, what's that classic term, you know, give someone a fish, you feed them for a day, teach them how to fish, which is kind of like the coaching concept. And they can, you know, they can feed for life. So with, you know, with what you shared earlier about the, you know, the the downloads and and that space, you know, I think it was uh, Michelangelo, you know, the statue, you're talking about, you know, you start chipping away at the rock and the statue is there inside anyway. Mm-hmm. The whole person is there, but we need to slough off all the unnecessary stuff that is there so that we can step truly into that authenticity. That's right? it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I love yeah. that you've made that connection between, you know, the MD work and the biology. And then we've got the little amygdala, amygdala that likes to keep everyone safe and it's your primitive brain kicking in. So what, what have been some of the, the biggest um, insights that you've taken from that MD, the medical arena that you've now brought into the work you're doing today for your clients? What makes your combination of skills unique and and different yeah that's a really good question so I think for me the most important part is having a high index of suspicion for things that really do need medical care Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's where I get concerned sometimes about some coaches that go into the somatic work for example without having a trauma-informed lens it can do more damage than good and so I've been trained so well by a therapist turned coach. So she's taught us everything there is to know about trauma informed practice. And, you know, that is, I think, one of the most important things when you're working with anybody, because a lot of people don't know that they have deep trauma. And when you start to do somatic work with them, it will come up. And so... Mm -hmm. To me, what I've learned is is it's so important to have the confidence and to be able to hold the clean space, like you mentioned earlier, 
for people to be able to come back to. And I think that's where coaches, therapists, that's where we, that that trouble starts to form when the fear is created by the, the coach or the therapist, because they're not comfortable holding that space. To me, that is, that is a gift. I think it's a skill. Yes. To bring people back, but I really truly think it's a gift to be able to hold that unconditional, loving, peaceful, come back to me anytime space without making it mean something about us. Yeah. And it really takes a lot of our own personal development work. So I I would say, if you're looking for a coach, make sure you ask them if they are receiving coaching themselves on an ongoing basis, because that is a sign of a good coach (laughs) or therapist or, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly the, um, the deep dive into authenticity, uh, it's not a surface topic right? You have to have done a ton of your own deep personal growth development work. I mean, if I think about over the years, you know, the last 20, the 25 years, you know, um, everything from, you know, working with T. Harvecker to, you know, Jack Canfield Group to Jane Warlow, Susie Curta, um, you know, Jane, uh, Jennifer Hoff is one of my, my uh, greatest, um, spiritual advisors and guides now with you know this whole sort of physics of flow and being able Mm. to really you know tap into the energy that is and then also holding space for what is possible right Mm. so all of this work informs you're right informs us about where is that kind of line Mm -hmm. where it's not coaching anymore it needs counseling Right. Or it needs something else. Right. Um, so I'm glad to know that there is a space where you can have that more fluid path mm-hmm. to step into what might originally be seeming like it's a coaching question. And yet, depending on what's getting in the way to be able to continue that journey and lead them further on in the path. And if there is some trauma that needs to be cleared in order to step into the true potential to be able to have that same fluid conversation. Absolutely. And Uh referring like referring is everything. I think there's a lot of coaches who are afraid to refer again, it means because it means something about them and their inability to hold but the best thing you can do for a client is if it's outside of your scope, outside of your capacity is refer them to someone so they can receive the support that they need. And then be there to catch them when they're ready to come back for coaching, because there's, it should be a very clear line between what is coaching, what is therapy, what is psychology and psychiatry, right? And Mm -hmm. so some people need the medication while they're doing their coaching to be able to come full circle for that holistic care. Um, And so I think that's really the, the space that I come in from. I, people always used to ask me, why did you study medicine when you're so much more holistic minded? And I always used to say, well, you have to be in it to change it. I always knew that I was a change agent, a change agent for healthcare. Um, And now I've just been promoted into this transformation partner role, which is basically not what I'm doing. I'm supporting the changes that are happening in BC in our healthcare system. And so, you know, people often ask me, are you, when are you leaving your nine to five? I'm like, I'm not, that's part of my purpose. And they they get very confused. (laughs) Let's share more about about that. What is that about? What is that project? What is that about? Uh, my, my corporate job. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, so transformation partner is somebody who holds space. Really. It's a lot of it is coaching, um, mm-hmm. hold space at the decision-making tables with all the stakeholders to be able to really implement, um, whether it's funding the plans, you know, everything that's happening on the ground towards this primary care transformation that's happening in British Columbia. And mm-hmm. so I, 
call people forward to that, you know, share what's going on in their, in their region, what they need support with. Do they need extra funding? Is it being allocated to the right place? How can we provide further resources to support them in the transformation? Um, and a lot of it is really relationship management because people often, again, they come with their stories, right? And so if a person has a story about, let's say money, right? We have a story about money, how money is scarce and we can't be spending it. Well, if a person like that is responsible for implementing the funding from the healthcare, from government into healthcare, they may not implement it as quickly as somebody who doesn't have that money story. And so being able to hold that space and call people forward into, okay, what is the thing that we're trying to do? And how, how, why is everybody here at the table? I truly believe that if people are at a change making table, everybody has something to say and everybody has something important and meaningful to say. And so it's calling everybody forward and then co-creating the next steps together in terms of what is the best way. A lot right. of people don't share their voice for whatever reason, most times it's interpersonal relationship issues. Um, and so holding that space for safety, for those conversations to happen, especially the uncomfortable conversations, cutting through the air, <laughs> cutting through the thickness, asking the right questions, like you said. Um, so it is very much a coaching role, but within the structural part of healthcare um, and the transformation that's happening now. Beautiful. So at the end of the day, what are you creating that isn't in existence right now? No, that's a good question. Because I mean, um, improving is like this never-ending continuum. That's right. right. So how do you change know if you've improved it, right? Yeah, yeah, change is constant. Um, to me, improvement will happen when the people that are doing the thing are actually no longer burnt out and they're no longer physicians, healthcare workers. Right now we're coming from this very toxic place in healthcare, this very toxic energy. And again, this is, this is, this is all of the work that I'm doing. It's taking the masculine overdrive and slowing us down and saying, wait a second, structure is great. It's really important. The masculine energy creates structure. It's mm -hmm. the doing energy. It's the, you know, the, the energy which um, in which we accelerate and succeed because that is the doing. It's the implementation. And we have completely bypassed and forgotten the wisdom and the power of slowing down of the feminine energy, of the being, mm -hmm. of the presence of the trusting our intuition, of saying no for that freedom and that space and that time to really introspect. It doesn't matter how many books you've read. If it doesn't apply to you, that's not your truth. And that's where authenticity comes in. If you don't have a connection with yourself, with your intuition, with your feminine energy, and it doesn't matter what gender you are, it doesn't matter if you identify as male or female, if you're biologically born male or female, we all have masculine and feminine energies. And it's being able to know when to have an infinity necklace for a reason. It's that flow of, you know, when to fall into the feminine versus when to now go into the masculine, when to do the work and when to be present and when to, you know, kind of create that flow state. I think that is very much missing in healthcare. And as I have said yes to my coaching career and at the same time in parallel, <laughs> I've said yes to this career. I've seen that uh, it, it's not this and this, it's really both together it's me doing the same thing in both spaces it's calling people forward to prioritize themselves so mm. in this case healthcare needs to slow down right, right. physicians nurses physio everyone everyone in healthcare 
It's an invitation to slow down and take care of yourselves first as I've had to take care of myself because life is a mirror. And that's how I know this is the important work that I'm doing because I had to first slow down right, and be there for myself before I can extend a hand. Do you know the airplane, the airplane story? Put on the your airplane, mask. yes. It's, Put it's, on your mask. It's in my book too. Yeah. Own yeah. air mask on first. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So given the, you know, given the craziness that was the outcome of COVID, um, you know, I very often will say in my in my um, talks as a you know as a speaker, you know, there's really not that much that is that urgent unless you're a gynecologist, uh, a stockbroker, or a heart surgeon, right? So, given that two of those fall into the medical field, um, we've had all this craziness. We've had so many um, in the healthcare industry that have gone into burnout, mm-hmm. and yet life is on the line, right? So how do we, how do we fix it? Mm. I mean, we can slow down, yet that has an impact too on the care that, um, you know, for some is life, is life threatening, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Intuitively what comes through and, and, and that was my answer is slow down and question that anything is on the line. Actually, the only thing that is on the line is what we make to be true about our lives. There is a ton of limiting beliefs that we hold on to for dear life. And I was just having this conversation earlier. And so I'll bring it into, into our conversation, but why do people choose suffering? People literally choose their suffering because they have a story about, I don't have a choice. I'll take my mom as a perfect example. Long time ago, I had this conversation with her. And after she told me, I don't believe in coaching. I said, yeah, because you're not ready to see yourself. And that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) And then my therapist told me, some people are here to suffer in this life. You You can't help everyone. And so that was interesting too, to hear. But it is that taking the perspective of, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I have to go to work. Well, why do you need to work? Well, I have to pay the bills. Okay, why are your bills so high? Because you're choosing to live in this big house to have such a high mortgage, but you do have the option to sell it. So you do actually have a choice, Mm -hmm. but you're choosing this path. And as much as that sounds like obvious, like duh, yes, obviously, putting the perspective back into the power of the holder is pivotal because Mm -hmm. energy is everything. And if we come from a victim mindset, if we come from the state of, I don't have a choice, then you're just on the roller coaster and no one put you there. But the truth is you signed up for this. You signed up for all of this. Your soul came here. And if we go super deep, your soul came here to learn all of these lessons that you're learning through your struggle. However, if you don't have the awareness of the lesson, you're not learning it. You're just suffering. Right. And that's where coaching comes in. So it's really being able to be aware of what am I committed to right now? Am I committed to working hard? That was one of my stories. Am I committed to limiting myself because I'm not good enough or I don't have the degree or I don't have the certification or I don't have enough experience or whatever the stories that we hold are, right? I need to be in this relationship. You don't need very much. Like you said, survival is is very small portion of the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. 
And so for me, it's really falling back before making that choice or that decision of how you move forward. And we make decisions every microsecond of the day, (laughs) whether we see it as a decision or not, is stepping back and tuning into yourself. And if you don't have a good connection with yourself, that's where it starts. I'm, I'm actually creating an online program that's an evergreen model so that more people can take part in this because my time and my capacity is <laughs> becoming more limited now. But it is know thyself. And that is one of the most important things is tapping into actually, it's almost like taking that spiritual pill of like, wait a second, yeah. let me connect back into who I am, why I'm here, what's my purpose and what's my calling. And then from that place, it becomes so much easier to see What are the limiting beliefs that I've been committing to? What does society tell me? What does my culture tell me? What did I learn growing up? What are my expectations of my partner? Why am I externalizing the expectations to the world around me versus asking myself, what do I want first? Yeah. So that's where it starts. I'm I'm, I'm glad that you are bringing that forward as an online program, because as you say, yes, it will be able to help so many more people. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the the context of, you know, definitely words have energy. You know, I, I talk about that in my book, that word choice. It's one of the four, one of the 40 different words and word concepts in the book um, that are there to help women to focus and put attention on their language and ask for what they want to get it using right. more powerful, using more powerful language. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have a choice. Absolutely. And I love what you said about ask for what you want and receive. Mm-hmm. We're very, as a, as, a, as a species, we're very blocked from receiving. And that's where the abundance can't come in. You can have positive affirmations that you truly genuinely believe in. But if you're blocked from receiving, you're never going to embody that abundance because you don't know how to receive. Yeah, Part of it is not knowing know how to ask. It's in all biblical <laughs> scriptures, right? It's in all religious texts ask and you shall receive but how do we have to ask with full faith knowing that we already have it yeah yeah it's already in it's already in another spiral jump except that you know or or if it wasn't we wouldn't be able to imagine it that's right exactly already there right if you can vision Um, it it's for you you just need to claim it that's it it's that simple it really is that simple get on the same frequency where that uh that uh, activity that item that experience is hanging out change the change the vibration so the um the piece you talked about with um the whole topic of of burnout i think that that is you know i was there um many years ago too and partly it was because i was working with the wrong kind of clients for me right and so to be able yeah, yeah to be able to step into um greater alignment i think that the interesting thing is we're as you said you know we need to slow down we're so busy like everyone is so busy in life that uh, I had this conversation with a couple of clients last week that it really does take a triggering event to mm-hmm. kind of get the you know universal two by four right <laughs> to to go wait a minute here hang on you know yeah. something just happened and a lot of times it is those life changing moments right a life uh you know a um a birth a death an illness a divorce a separation a job loss a baby you know whatever it might be right which is unfortunate that that's what it takes to get people to wake up 
And yet I think that when we're aware of what some of those triggering events are that are happening right before Mm -hmm. our clients need to reach out to us, we can, you know, leverage that and tap into that so that we can help them get onto the journey faster. Because Mm -hmm. there's no point, as you said, no point spending all that energy and suffering when you can actually have a solution. That's right. That's right. And I'm so glad that coaching is becoming more mainstream and that this information is available and people can see you don't have to be suffering to hire a coach. In fact, coaching gets you from good to greater. It doesn't necessarily take you from suffering to functioning. That's where therapy, if you're suffering and you're not functioning in your world, that's where you need much more, you know, deep support and help to get to a level where you are functioning but maybe it's just not ideal. You know, you haven't reached flow state. You haven't woken up fully inspired and aligned and excited for your life. You're not feeling blissful. Like these are all things that are possible. They are actually our birthright to feel in this lifetime. And I think that is the awareness. If I could land anything in any conversation that I have is you are here to experience your whole range. And that includes bliss, which is achieved through authenticity. You can't get there living someone else's life. Right. I talked, uh, I spoke with a couple of people last week too about two things that relate to what you're sharing. One is the concept of having the contrast, right? The ups, you know, you won't have the incredible highs if you don't have the lows because then you don't have the contrast to experience it. And life is just just flat line, right? And then the other piece about coaching is it's so important. I, you know, when I did my um, executive coach certification 15 years ago now, Royal Roads program, um, we had to find a not-for-profit organization that had directors that all wanted coaching and that was our sort of pro bono um, experience and then do a report at the end of what the organization would benefit from if we were able to make a a shift or recommendation and I ended up with uh, there were seven directors I ended up with two one who loved the concept of coaching and saw it as a you shared, right? It's about potential and stepping into something better and greater. And the other um, person was a believer that coaching was all about fixing a problem and he didn't need to be fixed. Thank you very much. And it it was so eye-opening because I knew this, but experiencing it where someone had it's almost like going to a corporation and the company's paid for the coaching, but the person just isn't willing. It doesn't matter who's paying for it. Yeah. They're just not willing to open that door, even a little crack. And I yeah. tried so many different questions to get that door just open a little bit. Yeah. And they dig in their heels. <laughs> they want to maintain the resistance. And that is really hard. It's really yeah. challenging, I think, for coaches to accept that some people are just not there yet. And there's nothing wrong with that because holding the space, even just to be present with that person, even just to have the conversation. I used to do coaching for quality improvement in healthcare just before Mm -hmm. I got this promotion. And a lot of times like we, I would meet with physicians and we wouldn't even talk about the quality improvement project. It was just meeting them where they're at. Yeah. How's your day going? And that would be a 30 minute conversation. And then they'd be like, oh, our time's up. We didn't get anything done. I said, that's okay. What's your action step to get one step closer towards your quality improvement goal for our next conversation? And just holding that safety is actually the most powerful thing you can do. It's not about, I think a lot of times coaches get really attached to the outcome again, because it means something about them. 
but the most important part of coaching is holding presence. That's it. And then the person will receive because life is a mirror. (laughs) So you can't help it when you're a coach, something's going to come up that it's going to support the person in seeing themselves. Awareness is the first step in coaching. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Some people will dig in their heels and still, I would question that your time with that person was not effective. I would really question that. I bet you, if you were to reach back out to that person and ask them, Hey, remember that time we, we talked for X amount of sessions I'm just curious, did you ever get anything out of that? And I I bet you, you will learn that maybe it wasn't then, but years later, something landed from that moment that seed blossomed. (laughs) Well, I think uh, I would suspect the biggest takeaway was the awareness that um, because of an impending retirement, just not willing to rock the boat. Thank you very much. Um, Mm. And therefore, the retirement was probably a really good idea because it was holding the organization back. I don't know if that person would agree with, with that um, analysis, but uh, that was certainly my analysis. My big takeaway was, you know, you can't call, you can't force coaching, right? You can hold okay. someone, you know, you can offer the hand, but if someone doesn't want to reach up and grab it, then it's, you know, it's sad, but it's not a conversation. You know, you can't force it. The person mm-hmm. has to do their own work, much like, you know, the trauma informed piece, right? Mm-hmm. When you uncover a door and you know that when that person opens that door, it's like opening Pandora's box. That's right. Um, you know, are they ready and do they have the support in place to help them with whatever things they find inside the box? Yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> actually something you said. It, it it brings something up for me, and this is really one of those downloads. Um, I would question that it's even sad because I think people, we are very intelligent beings, whether we're, whether we're in tune or not, um, the, the mind and the body and the spirit, it's very intelligent. And so if that person doesn't have the support to open Pandora's box, they will be in resistance. And to Mm -hmm. me, it's such a gift to honor somebody who is in the resistance. And I always tell people, I honor your boundaries and I respect that you're not, that, that this is not a yes for you right now. This is how you can find me if it ever is. These are the options of how to work with me. But I think it's really important also, again, to recognize that, and this is, this is in relationships. This is with our coaching clients that we are meant to we are called to receive the person just as they are and so that resistance to being fixed I can see that because it's like if you if you see it as sad that they didn't take a step forward into coaching that means you didn't see them as whole as they were so it's almost like yeah they did feel that sense of I have to be different to be good enough for you kind of Mm -hmm. energy and so I always like to to remind myself as a coach that this is not about me And if there's resistance there, my job is to respect and honor that resistance and still receive the person just as they are and remind them of their greatness. That's it. That's my only job. And if they don't want to be reminded of their greatness, that's okay too. If they want to have a pity party, let's hold that space. Like whatever it is that serves them, that is the most important thing to do in that moment. If they say, I don't even want to talk to you. I would say, okay, I'm happy to spend that time, you know, by myself, but, you know, why don't you entertain me for five minutes? And then, you know, and then the conversation sparks because the pressure's off, right? So it's like, I'm not here if you don't want me to be here, but I'm here anyway. So entertain me, enlighten me. What was the best part of your day? 
And that person's <laughs> probably never heard that before. What's the best part of your day? Well, I'm used to complaining. I can tell you about the worst part of my day. So <laughs> even just that one little question can literally shift someone's someone's perspective and and their life. It's we don't know. We just we don't know what's going to come, but I think if we come in service and if we come in in acceptance and unattachment, that is the the biggest gift. Yeah. Well, back back in those early days, say you know, three months into my uh, my coach certification, I mean, that was a big, uh, you know, it was a six month long PhD level program. You know, two hundred forty fifty hours. It was a lot. You know, it wasn't just let's go let's go do a coach certification in a weekend. Right. Yeah. Um, it was an intense program. Um, so I certainly would approach it differently today. At that point in time, though, I th- I think I cried that night. I'm like, I can't get him to open up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have to have those experiences as well, I think, to appreciate the other ones. Um, I've since learned, and again, put this in my book, um, you know, two questions from David Cooper Ryder's work on appreciative inquiry that are my favorite in so many situations. You know, what's working really well for you? Mm-hmm. And how could it be even better? Yeah. And you never get any resistance to that. There's no, um, you know, objections or anything because you're talking about things that they're excited about and uh, that can lead to a great conversation. That's right. So, and appreciation that, appreciates, right? Like it's appreciate. only, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know that um, I always invite my guests to bring a gift for the audience. So I'm sure that there's a ton of listeners who are saying, wow, I want to keep in touch with Relitza. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more about what she's up to in the world. So what was the gift that you brought for the listeners today? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest gift has been slowing down. And when I'm in my human condition, when I'm suffering, when when something is painful, when something is not going the way that I want it to, I always like to take a step back and ask myself, first of all, what am I making this mean about me? Is it really true? A little bit of Byron Katie's work. Is it really Mm -hmm. true? And then, you know, you can turn it around using Byron Katie's work with, you know, how is the opposite more true, actually, mm-hmm. but really questioning that life is happening to you. Life doesn't happen to us. Life happens for us. Life is a gift. Yeah. And many people will say this. And I think probably the first time I heard it screamed into my head was by Anthony Robbins and mm-hmm. it stayed And I'm so grateful for that. But life literally happens for you. And as soon as you change your perspective to see it as a gift, then you can ask yourself, how is this actually serving me? What am I meant to learn? How am I meant to grow? Right. Just because you do your personal development work doesn't mean you don't have moments of growth. Oh my, I just went through one of the darkest moments (laughs) this weekend. And I got to question how I show up in relationships. What am I? What am I holding and how is it serving me? Well, it's not, right? Me having to be needed doesn't help anybody. Doesn't help. Dependency. Exactly. (laughs) There you go. Right down to the core. And so it's like, how is life trying to serve me? Oh, it's taking away this Mm over-responsibility so that I can be myself, be in my essence without the feeling of being needed. I get to be wanted. That is a very different energy to show up in relationship with. And so everything that happens in our life happens for us. It is a gift. And if we can step back and detach from what is it, what what am I making it mean about me versus like, for example, I 
feel neglected. I'm unwanted. I am not good enough. All the stories that come up when Mm -hmm. we can question those and step back and say, okay, how is this serving me? Oh, it's giving me the space to prioritize myself. It's giving me the focus to do what I'm here to do. Stay in my lane. And that's the best way to show up. And so that is such a gift. And I would love if, if everyone in the world could hear that and apply it to themselves. (laughs) So I think um, you have a, um, a questionnaire that helps people to get back into their uh, more authentic selves or to continue the conversation with you. So I will put the link in the chat window for the show notes, excuse me. Um, Because I think it's kind of a long uh, Wix forms number. So I'll put that in the show notes. Um, Please make sure that you reach out if you'd like to stay in touch with Valitza. You can find her on LinkedIn, on Facebook as well, and Instagram. That's right. Yep. Yep. I have uh, have a community on Facebook as well. It's Authenticity Calling. Um, I have my podcast launching in 2024, which I'm really excited about, which is Authenticity Calling. Uh, yeah, Instagram, Authenticity Calling, or Relitza Spasova, Facebook, social, all the social media, except TikTok. I haven't gotten there yet. No, me neither. <laughs> That's okay. That's so right. thank you for sharing so many wisdom nuggets today. Real gold gems there. And mm-hmm. I will uh, close today by just sharing, if you're intrigued as well by some of the work that I shared with my my best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. I'm just going to ask my show producer to play that video and audio right now for the next few minutes. So stay tuned, listen to the end of the show. And thank you again, Relitza, for joining me today. I look forward to keeping in touch with you as well. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for all that you do and your beautiful commitment to this. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Ladies, a new book is on the horizon. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations. This new book is for women ready to rediscover their inner confidence, take a stand for themselves in life and business by using more powerful language. Words are so powerful and already changed history. On October 5th, The New York Times published a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against film producer Harvey Weinstein. And numerous women in the entertainment industry found the courage to go public, banding together with a powerful voice that change is long overdue. Even Oprah Winfrey, television network icon, gave a rousing speech at the Golden Globe Awards in January. The media has showcased the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. The Me Too movement is flourishing and all signaling it's time for women's equality and change. I believe it's time to give women the verbal agility to create more confident conversations. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is the book which provides practical approaches for women to ask for what we really want and receive our request. Hello, I'm Yvonne Silver, Certified Executive Coach and Senior HR Professional, seasoned in business. I teach women to flourish in business by using more confident language to help empower and engage others. 
This book is the result of over 35 years of my career, professional career, working in four different countries. I've interviewed over 6,000 people in my career for job interviews, executive coaching, for sales and consulting conversations. And I've listened to hundreds of women in particular who are looking for a better way to collaborate. They're looking to be uh, asking for what they really want and heard and validated, especially in business. And women often earn less than men for doing exactly the same job. It's 2018. It's time for change. The modern art of confident conversations explores words we use at home, at work, words that trip us up, elevate us, and encourage us, and when no words are even required. It is about how to leverage the power of words in a positive, in a collaborative, and impactful way. Now I work with women entrepreneurs and leaders who are empowering other women and leading through mentorship programs and my coaching, public speaking, interviews and writing. I'm passionate about women's equality. Why? I grew up in England in a house with a flow of negative comments from my father which destroyed my mum's dignity until she became an empty shell of the vibrant woman she'd once been, belittled by constant criticism and questioning of her abilities. Through my own life journey and supporting hundreds of female clients, I've discovered critical words to ask to get what we really want collaboratively. I know there are critical links between our language, our behavior, our mindset and our success in life. Words from a song can replay in our head for hours and poetry can bring a lump in our throats. I've combined my insights with interviews from influential women, sharing their pearls of wisdom, supplemented with research and reference studies from established scholars. Women are rising up. It's time for women to be heard. Let's use more powerful, positive language and join the rising tide of change. This book is for you, a woman looking to the future ready to embrace significant positive changes in your life by using more confident language. Eliminate those words that drain your power, add words that energize and invigorate and shift from ordinary to extraordinary. Just one word can change your life. I believe every woman needs their own copy of this powerful book. It's time for action and time for change. Order and reserve your own copy of Words, Women and Wisdom today.